Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Overreaction Monday here on Talk of Champions. No guest because me and Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, got a lot of thoughts after Ole Miss face-planted in Fayetteville. 33-21 loss to Arkansas. Oh, boy, it was ugly. Really ugly. So what do we make of it? Brad's coming up in just a little bit. But first, let me tell you briefly about my bookie. Between the NFL, college football, and the Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports teams and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real money maker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use my promo code, TOC, for Talk of Champions, TOC, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's Overreaction Monday here on Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Eight-year NFL vet. We don't have a guest today. Not on this overreaction Monday. Brad hit me up Saturday night. He's like, look, I got a lot of things to say because Ole Miss laid an absolute egg at Arkansas. Completely face-planted. Matt Corral, six interceptions. Six! We're not going to just recap the game. You've already heard that through other podcasts, I'm sure. But Brad's always got a unique perspective as a former player. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Ben? You were not happy Saturday night. No, I did not see that coming. I mean, I, I can only judge this team off of what um, what they've done each week. And coming into this game, what they did the first three weeks was, I mean, more than impressive. I mean, who would have seen this coming to go up there and play like this in Arkansas? I, I'm as shocked as, as, as anybody from that game Saturday. The thing that kept sticking out to me is that Arkansas defensively was doing the same thing over and over. They were not rushing but three or four at most and dropping everybody back, and Ole Miss was still having trouble running the ball. After everything, six interceptions. There was at one point during that game, by the way, four straight drives by both teams combined that resulted in a turnover. It was an absolutely atrocious football game. But despite all of those things, Ole Miss had the ball with a chance to go down and win it. Matt Crowell throws a pick six. And really, those two goal line stands, when Ole Miss could not get a yard, that's why Ole Miss lost. Even with everything else, that's why Ole Miss lost. And you sit here today on Overreaction Monday, and you can't be so effusive in the praise of Matt Corral the previous three weeks and not now at least have a little concern. I mean, this is a guy that in the mailbag last week, people were wanting us to talk about his potential Heisman candidacy. And at the pace he was going... 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, I think, was the pace. Well, now he's got seven interceptions after throwing six at Arkansas. And this is when the defense played the best you're going to say that defense play. That's as good as they can give you. And it was pretty good. It was fine. Anytime you put that on film, 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure when teams are going to look to stop you, they're going to pull that film up first. They're going to say, what did Arkansas do to, to stop the offense and, and um, what, what made them that confused? And I mean, that's, they're going to have to get over that. They're, they're likely going to see that very same look this, this week coming up versus um, next week versus um, Auburn. So um, that to me is concerning. I mean, do we have a better plan for that going forward? Um, or, or are we just going to sit back and let that defeat us? Yeah, that was very concerning. Six interceptions, not a whole lot of adjustments throughout that game. That was, um, man, I mean, that's for, for, from what we felt last week going into this game, um, I, I'm shocked. I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming, but I did try to dial you back a little bit as far as competing in the West because you knew that one game, and I texted you this very early in the game on Saturday, I knew a game like that was coming, not six interceptions, not that. But you knew that the offense was not going to quite be on track, that they were going to be discombobulated. And that's exactly what Ole Miss was on Saturday. And can the defense set you up enough to where once your offense does figure it out, it can go win the game? And the defense did that. The defense gave you every opportunity, scoring opportunity after scoring opportunity, and they wasted them over and over again. They got a turnover in Arkansas, deep into Arkansas territory. In the next play... You always um, can tell a lot about a player, and you can speak to this better than anyone, by how he responds to adversity in real time. And for Matt Corral on Saturday, when it started to spiral, he couldn't do anything to stop the spiral. It just kept going and going and going. And so now, my concern for him, you were doing everything right. You were blowing and going. You were setting the world on fire. You had your fans asking us in a mailbag about his dark horse Heisman candidacy. (laughs) Well, now... You've gone the complete opposite direction in that game against Arkansas. You have to find a middle ground. Can you be one of those guys that doesn't allow for your mental acuity to come into question based off of one really horrific performance? Uh, we're not going to know how Matt Corral responds to this until next week. I mean, he um, obviously the, the game Saturday, man, it, you're right. It, it, it he, 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 when he was spiraling, I mean, it was, he was going downhill fast, but a lot of that's not his fault, man. Listen, Arkansas ran. So, so I talked to an offensive coordinator that I won't say his name, but he's, he's very, very well respected and asked him if he watched the game. He said, yes, if I were a coach, a head coach, which this guy probably could have been head coach multiple times, that's the defensive coordinator. The defensive style would hire. It's a new, it's a kind of the new thing. They're basically dropping eight. It's, it's no different than a three, four defense, except the hangover guys, they kind of got them in no man's land. So it looks like a three down where, where they, um, you know, it looks like you can just run the ball. Well, if, the, if it's a run, those guys come and they insert and it's like having eight men in the box. Well, if it's a pass, they all drop. So it's like drop eight. So, um, that there was just no, there was no answer for that. There was no, no adjustment to that throughout the game. So, um, it, it's Matt Corral fault because he was thrown at you know two guys you know I mean, it looked like he was literally throwing it straight to him but at the same time man, it's, it's, that's a group effort they all got to adjust and um and and hopefully that they're going to see that again that's it's a copycat league they're going to see that again so hopefully they can um bounce back and have a plan for that when, when they get a defense like that you know who else had a bad day and it's going to go completely unnoticed but jonathan mingo had a bad day not only mingo you had drumming drumming as well and um, dropping balls. I mean, there was, yeah, the, the, the day couldn't have went any, any worse. I mean, listen, look at two stats. Eliminate everything that happened during the day and go look at the stat sheet and look at two stats. Look at the third down efficiency and look at the turnovers. We had damn seven turnovers and we were like four for 16 on third down or something crazy. You do that, you won't you won't beat a high school team. I promise you that. Like, it's it, that, that is as bad as it gets. Those are the two most important stats, and we had epically bad days in those two departments. And 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 to say all that, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you right now, Arkansas is not a good football team. They are not a good football team. We had a chance with all that seven turnovers, that terrible on third down. We had a chance to drive down and beat them at the end of the game. If we have seven turnovers versus Alabama or seven turnovers versus a top end team, we're losing seventy three to seven, like Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean it's it, that, that those two stats that 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 tells the whole game right there. You've said it over and over and over before. You have to win turnovers, and you have to win your fair share on third down. And Ole Miss was abysmal. It was absolutely abysmal. And it all came back to the fact that Matt Corral, he just could not stop the bleeding. Because if you look at 20 for 38, not great. 
but you had 200 yards, meaning you were averaging 10 yards per pass. That's good. But it was staring and locking on to receivers. As everything started to mount against him, his worst impulses came out. Staring down receivers, getting a little happy in the pocket. It was the complete reverse of what we'd seen for three weeks. And I don't blame Ole Miss fans for being so excited going into Arkansas from what you saw for the first three weeks. You should have been excited. Yes, Ole Miss was one and two. But the way that offense had performed had been near flawless and had done something against Alabama that no other team had ever done before. 647 yards under Nick Saban, I should say. 647 yards, 48 points. It was a track meet. And you just didn't anticipate when things didn't go well, when it didn't click. Because there was going to be a game or two, and there will be more this season that it happens, that it would be that bad. And I'm with you. I don't think Arkansas is necessarily very good. Almost had more yards than Arkansas. Arkansas was six for 17 or something on third down. Felipe Franks didn't do anything special. They didn't run the ball particularly well. I think they averaged three yards per carry. Now, Traylon Burks, it's a really good player. He got his, but so did Elijah Moore. At the end of the day, Ole Miss, despite everything, had the opportunity with the ball in his hands to go down and win the game. And even after that, if you look back at the game in totality, two goal line stands, and something that I've never understood. When you're down there that deep, even though this is your offense, you can't go under center one time and just sneak. And I'm not questioning Lane Kiffin's offense because I still think Lane Kiffin, the butt is not off the rose of Lane Kiffin. I don't think his offense was exposed. I think Matt Corral had a really bad day. But that right there, that goes back to any coach who is a spread offense coach. Just the stubbornness to not go under center at the one and sneak your quarterback. Yeah, that's that's one of those situations, man. I mean, I've, you've seen that be talked been talked about for forever on, um, you know, especially fourth and one right there from the, um, you know, about the inch, inch yard line. It looked like, um, yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those things, man. When you get it, nobody ever pays attention to it. When you get stuffed, everybody brings light to it. So um, that's what they're comfortable doing, and that's 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 what they're gonna do. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would like to see them get under center, but there's still no guarantee there. Um, but when you're in the spread like that and you only got five people, people want to blame the O-line the whole time. Down there. If you watch the film, I, I, I can almost guarantee you the O-line had a hat on the hat. But when you got five O-linemen and, 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 a, and a wing type stand up guy, I mean, and they're, they're bringing eight, nine guys. You can't oh, the five O-linemen can't block all of them. I mean, so so I'd have to go back and watch and see why they were getting stuffed. It may have been a, it may have been the O-line's fault. But the most of the time when you're in a spread offense like that down there and they know it's a run. I mean, you're out. You're so outnumbered. It doesn't matter. Every guy could have a hat on a hat, and there could still be four guys free. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of under center, but that, that, that's the offense they run. You live with it, you die with it. I will say that the offensive line, this was probably their weakest performance of the year because it's not like that they were getting any kind of varied blitzing patterns or anything like that. It was pretty straightforward what Arkansas was doing up front, and they were still having trouble. I mean, I would argue that it, honestly, I don't think Corral. There were some times where he was under pressure, but it wasn't it wasn't a terrible pressure throughout the day. He had plenty of time to throw, and um, I mean, it was just throwing it to the other team. I mean, for for the most part, the O line was was fine. I mean, they were. I mean, there wasn't just like it wasn't just a, a super sack fest. I mean, you can't you can't stand back there all day when you're a quarterback. You you know you, you make your read and you throw it. I mean, for for the most part, he had plenty of time to throw. So I mean it. They were fine. I mean, they didn't dominate, but they they weren't the, they weren't the reason we lost this game. I can guarantee you that. There's only one thing to do after that performance, and that's to play a little round of buy or sell. Before we do, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Celebrate, Ole Miss football! It's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your old Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered. And no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with the delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like. Simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork. Review it with you on the phone and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 
662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at alansamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distance, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. I was hoping to avoid buy or sell this week. But after that performance, there are so many things, so many areas of this football team that if I were buying stock or selling stock, you would have to tell me what to do. And I'm not going to start with Matt Corral first because we've been hammering him pretty hard. And I think it was just one bad day. I don't know what the middle ground for Matt Corral is, but let's just for now say that that was one bad day. Buy or sell to start that the performance of that defense, the Ole Miss defense, was closer to what it's going to be moving forward or the outlier compared to the first three games? Um, I would buy that just because I, I think that, it, you know, the, obviously when you played Alabama, you play four, they just have that much better player than us. Moving forward, most teams are going to be similar to to not Arkansas per se, but but they're not going to be just as loaded. I think Ole Miss will be able to make some stops. And they, they were – they the, sch- the scheme was different this week. It was not – I mean, it, I don't know if they were down D-line and decided to go more of a three-down – um, with some backers standing up and stuff, but but the scheme was great, and they man they were blitzing and and they they did a great job versus the zone read too. I mean, if, schematically it was on point this week. I was I was very impressed. We've been crushing the defense on here, but they, I mean, if you would have told me our defense was going to play like this, I would have thought Ole Miss would would have beat them by twenty five points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you tell me our defense is going to get a picked up from the first drive, get a fumble um, in their territory stop them multiple times. I mean, no excuse, man, that is unbelievable. We've been begging this defense to play this kind of game for weeks. And you mean to tell me our offense is going to come out and play, you know, like that. I mean, that, that's mind blowing. If Ole Miss play, if that defense plays like that versus Alabama, we win, we win every game. We're undefeated going into to that game today. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that this, this is going to be the new norm j- just from the simple fact we're not the talent, you know, each week they're not going to be nearly as talented as Alabama or Florida on offense. Seven turnovers for Ole Miss. You know how many points off of those turnovers? Off the top of my head, I can't think of many. 24 Arkansas points off of seven Ole Miss turnovers. Mm. Ole Miss got two turnovers of Arkansas. Know how many points the Rebels got off of those turnovers? None, because I, I, I remember both. One was interception, one was a, um, you know, the fumble, the, the sack fumble. That was a great play. It was about to get us right back in the game. So, yeah, I mean, God, it's, it's so disappointing. But I buy this a little bit more. And I agree with you because of a couple of reasons. One, Ja'Cory Hawkins and T. Tisdale were unavailable. They were two of the COVID cases. Ryder Anderson predominantly played defensive end, his natural position, during this game. And he looked like a completely different player. I don't know how, if you're an Ole Miss coach, you turn on the film and watch what Ryder Anderson did as a defensive end compared to what he's been doing at defensive tackle and say, ah, man, well, we got to move him back down because T. Tisdale's coming back. He was causing disruption. He was getting into the backfield at halftime, at halftime. He had 10 tackles, six solos, two tackles for loss. He looked like a completely different player. And another guy that I've been calling for, John Haynes. Because what's the definition of insanity, Brad? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if you run out the same personnel over and over and expecting to see them gradually improve when they've shown you no ability to improve, try something else. John Haynes was forced into action because some other guys weren't there. But when he got into the game, he performed. What sticks out is his ability to wrap up, tackle, and open space. There was one play, I think it was like a screen out of the Arkansas backfield. And John Haynes sped in there like a missile, laid the guy out. Of course, the interception, tip drill to himself. John Haynes is a playmaker. And if you turn on the film, if you're DJ Durkin, Chris Partridge, if you turn on the film, and you watch this defense, you can't tell me that Ryder Anderson, John Haynes don't need to be exactly where they are or where they were on Saturday moving forward. They changed your defense. Momo Sonogo had his best game by far since he's come back. And that's without the fake punt return that I don't know how Arkansas didn't expect that to happen. 
<laughs> but Momo broke a tackle at his own 25 and went 47 yards. This was the stupidest game. But I, I do agree. I think that the defense learned some things about itself. Ryder on one side and Sam Williams on the other, if your defensive tackles give you anything, it's kind of salty. And John Haynes, before he got hurt last year, had the talent to be an all-league caliber player. So leave John Haynes in the starting lineup. Let him play. Let him cook because he can play. Buy or sell because we have to do it. Matt Corral being closer to this or the perfect guy. This is bottom of the bottom. So the bottom of the bottom or Mr. Perfect through three weeks moving forward. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that, man. I think I think they got caught off guard. They do. I think that um, the heavy drop eight zone was just something that that they didn't have a good plan for. They really didn't, man. I mean, it was it was obvious by by the way they were forcing the ball in there, and then, um, yeah, yeah, there just wasn't much of a plan. I, I that the feedback I got from talking to a, a really good offense coordinator that I respect a lot was, Ole Miss just wasn't patient enough. They should have started out when they saw them doing that. They should have pounded them on the ground until they got out of it and um, they did not do that. And then they got behind and then it was, then they were stuck having to throw the ball. And even at that, whenever Lane Kiffin finally got, it, it was like, you know what, I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to get down there. And he stuck with it and he ran all the way down the field, um, you know, a couple of times on him. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Matt Crow is going to bounce back and I think that Levy and, and Kiffin are very smart and they're going to say, you know what, if a team does that to us again, we're going to have stuff available and, and be ready to go in that. So I, I think, you know, Ole Miss going up to Arkansas, they never. It's always some weird games up there. Um, I, I'm going to chalk this one up as a you know just, just a rough week for us. When a team needs to make in-game adjustments, when the opposing defense, opposing offense doesn't matter, but in your case it would be the opposing defense is given a look or doing something you hadn't prepared for in the game. How are those adjustments made? Well, listen. First off, that's really difficult to do. It really is, especially if you didn't rep it during the week. So. Um, it, it's not as easy as people think. Now, now, there are things you do like within blocking schemes and um, you know stuff during the game that, that you see versus looks. But for the most part, the whole like, oh man, we got to adjust. I mean, sometimes that's tough, man. When you didn't do it, when you didn't do it that week during practice, it, it could look just as bad trying to trying to adjust. I mean, there's little things you can do, but you can't come out there and have a wholesale change of your of your game plan that week. It just it, it, you could just you could set set it really on fire. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to do, but, but what you can do is, is be, is prepare for that during the week. And, and that way everybody's on the same page and, um, you know, you, you, you can't have some success when they give you stuff like that. When you, when you don't, if, if you're saying they didn't see it much during practice, trying to, to get the whole team on the same page, 11 guys on the same page mid game is, I mean, it, it can be done, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not ideal. I'll tell you that. When Ole Miss did adjust coming out of halftime, they had the ball. And they ran, I think, the first three or four plays. And there was one drive where they scored a touchdown, eight-play drive, or maybe seven-play drive. One or the other, doesn't matter. But all but one of those plays was running plays. So that's how they did adjust. They saw that they needed to attack the look in front of them. At the end of the day, if your quarterback is throwing six interceptions, there's nothing else you can do. And there was a lot of chatter on Twitter about why not John Rice Plumley? If that's what they're giving you, and you know you got to run the ball, why not? Why not try him? To which my response to that is, John Rice Plumley comes in, Arkansas adjusts knowing that there's no threat to pass, really. They go back to stacking boxes. John Rice not seen any time at all, despite six interceptions, one fumble, our suspicions and what we've heard, kind of confirmed. He's out the door. That's what it feels like. Because if he can't see the field in that game with everything that Arkansas was throwing at Ole Miss and the performance of Matt, he's out the door. And frankly, okay, you live and die with Matt Corral. You've seen what Matt Corral can do at his best. Now you've seen him at his very worst. It can't get any worse than that. But if John Rice Plumley can't appear in that game, I think our suspicions were confirmed. Yeah, there's, there's two things on that. Listen, first off, you give Matt Corral his respect. He 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 earned that job over the first three weeks, to the point to where I mean people were talking. I mean he was being talked about pretty hard, and um, you know so so first off you let him you let him die on the vine out there. I mean that's that's what you do. He earned the right to be out there, and he earned the right to play his way back out of that. So and and two and another thing, my my second point would be yeah I think I think that I mean the fact that you don't see 
Plumley out there in that game just tells you something is, I mean, something's been said. He may not want to go in there unless he's a starter. I don't know if he's trying to transfer. I don't know what's going on, but um, to not even see him on any running packages to even try it out just because the pass was so bad um, tells you that it's Plumley may not even be an option anymore. Everybody got upset and justifiably so when Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez were just running John Rice and Matt in and out, in and out, a disservice to both of those quarterbacks last year. Everyone was critical of that approach. When they needed to pass, in went Matt. When they needed to run, in went John Rice. To mixed results at best. As far as development, it was to the detriment of both of those players. So if you're going to have that criticism then you need to at least understand or be putting yourself in the mindset of Lane Kiffin of standing behind the guy that won the job. And like you said, giving him that respect. He earned it. He beat him out. Fair and square. And that shows you, if you're Matt Corral, that on your worst of worst days, Lane Kiffin, you're his guy. He's got your back. And that means something. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, there's some, listen, it was bad out there Saturday. But but one one thing that I mean it, a total bad. But one thing that 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 can happen is Matt Corral could take that to heart and get better from it. And he can learn from that. He can watch that film and watch all his mistakes and say, "Hey, I know what to do better next time." And and that's I mean that's valuable in itself. Now I know I'm not trying to get a silver lining for the for the game, but hey, he was out there. He sometimes some of your worst ass beatings will teach you the most. And trust me, I know that better than anybody. And he got destroyed today. And let's see how he bounced back. Maybe he learned so much from this game. If it happens, you know, if he gets these looks again, he learns from it. He becomes a better quarterback. So, so something could be gained from this. If Matt Corral is the kind of guy that I think he is inside, if I think he's a warrior competitor, he'll go watch that, take it hard, and attack practice this week, and he'll get better and he'll gain some experience from this game. And he'll 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 take something positive from this this extreme negative. Here's a buy or sell repeat of last week. But it's flipped. Jerion Ely, 23 attempts, 112 yards, one touchdown. Snoop Connor, 15 carries, 40 yards, no touchdowns. Twice was given the ball, needing to get one yard and couldn't do it. Not that it's all Snoop's fault because the interior of the offensive line let him down. But last week, you bought Snoop Connor being the lead guy moving forward. Now Jerion and Snoop in one game have flip-flopped again. So do you buy Jerion moving forward? Buy Snoop moving forward? What do you buy? I still like Snoop. I really do like Snoop. But you look at that game, Snoop, for the first whatever, five to ten carries, First, Snoop didn't even get in the first series, I don't think. And and it cost us down there on the um, on the goal line the first series. I think he should have been in there. But, um, no, I still think – I mean, they're, they're, they're both solid backs. I like Snoop starting the game off and getting in the rhythm early. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on the Snoop train. I really am. All right, one more. Buy five wins for Ole Miss after that. Mm. I can I, listen. I, I judge. I judge these teams at the face, at the core. I judge them off what I see each week. After the first three weeks, you could not have told me we were going to lose Arkansas. But I mean, it's going to. It could be close. It really could be close if if um, if teams run this defense versus and it keeps being like this. I mean, I, I'm going to say we're going to be right at five. Or, or I mean, I, I still think that man, that was just a. Just a brutal game for us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still confident that, that we can win some of these games, especially if our defense plays plays that way. Think about what all has changed. The topics on this podcast were as follows. Matt Corral was on an historic pace. He lit up Florida. He lit up Alabama. Lit up Kentucky. I think he entered the day in the top three in 11 statistical categories in the SEC. Think about that. Top three in 11 statistical categories. We were talking about the possibility of Matt Corral performing this way over a 10-game stretch of season and leaving because he's draft eligible and going to the draft. I don't think you have to think about that. And, And again, this is perfect for overreaction Monday. That's why we do this. So we can react to it in real time. But when you see that, NFL scouts see that kind of stuff too. I want to see how you perform on your worst day. When you're faced with adversity, everything is going against you. Can you stop the bleeding? Matt couldn't do it. There's going to be another game this season where Matt's going to have to do it again. I believe in the kid. I I saw too much in those first three games to believe that how he bottomed out against Arkansas 
is going to more closely resemble the type of quarterback caliber of quarterback he is compared to the first three games. That three games isn't going to be considered an outlier just because this happened. But it just changes the perspective of everything we were talking about last week, about Snoop being a lead back and Matt Corral potentially leaving at the end of the year for the NFL draft. People asking us over and over in that mailbag about his dark horse Heisman candidacy. And after watching Arkansas, that all seems a little absurd. Or, for example, Lane Kiffin in Texas. Looks a little different today. If Texas moves on from Tom Herman, which it probably is going to, Lane Kiffin was super hot at 1-2 and two last week. Now at 1-3, and three, how do you finish? Because this was also a game that you and I, we didn't call it a must-win because I don't know if I necessarily believe in must-wins. But if you're hoping to get to 5-5 five and five, or 6 wins or 7 wins, you had to beat Arkansas. Losing this game, it flips so much on its head as far as what we were talking about and the discussions around this team and projecting it forward. It just feels different. And I know it's always going to feel different after a loss, but if Ole Miss had lost this game 48-40, to 40, well, everything would have kind of stuck to script, right? Okay, the defense was terrible. Maybe the offense had to settle for a field goal or two. Got stopped on fourth down because Ole Miss goes for it on fourth down. That would have followed script. The Arkansas loss did not follow script. So now we have to reassess. And it's hard to put your finger on what this team is because we thought we had an idea. We thought three games was a good enough sample. We knew this offense was among the best in the country, certainly in the SEC. We knew this defense was historically awful, that the only reason why Ole Miss was not going to really contend was because of the defense. Jonathan Mingo was coming on, Matt Corral... SEC Player of the Year candidate. Jerry Ely, Snoop Connor, good one-two punch in the backfield. Lane Kiffin, offensive genius. You can't solve him. Nick Saban couldn't solve him. All of those things you now have to think about differently because that game did not follow script. Yeah, I think I think we're we're a little ways away from from it being you know the world coming to an end after after. Well, one I wasn't saying that. I'm more or less saying that I don't think we know what this team is like we thought we did. What's going to have to happen is, listen, it's going to be this. How does Ole Miss come back and respond this week? If it's the same story as the Arkansas week, then I'm I'm overly concerned. If we get back on track, if we, if we got full one game, and it just happened to be one of those days where it just was just a terrible day, seven turnovers, I, I mean, it, it happens. It happens. If we come out next week and do this, yeah, I, I'm more I'm more concerned. I'm I'm more talking about it the way you know the way that was described, but. I think that um, you know, I th- hopefully we'll respond. I, I really, we're going to learn more about Ole Miss. We're going to learn more about you know Coach Kiffin, Matt Corral this week versus Auburn. I don't think the world's coming to an end at all. I actually think, like I've said already, that game is an outlier for Matt Corral. He just couldn't stop the bleeding. It happens. Defensively, there were a lot of encouraging signs. It was a really funky game. It was weird. That might be the outlier game. Everything we thought we knew about Ole Miss through three games, you now at least have to take a step back and say, okay, wait, was three games a big enough sample, a big enough sample size to know how this season is going to play out? Because now I don't have any idea how this season is going to play out because I've now seen what the worst looks like for the offense. And it wasn't pretty. See, I thought that the offense had a very high floor. That even when things weren't going well, that Ole Miss would still be able to put up no less than twenty-eight to thirty-five points. Maybe think about it though. I mean, that 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 was our floor, and we had twenty-one points, and two times we got stopped on the one. So there's there's thirty-five right there. Yeah. There's thirty-five right there. So um, and with seven turnovers, I mean, dude, that was that was disastrous, man. Seven turnovers, and that was, I mean, dude, and we still we we get the ball back with three minutes to go. And I'm thinking, okay, let's do it. And, you know, we try to run it and get stuff. We throw up. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, that that was that was one of those games, man, that it was mind-blowing to watch. I mean, it that, that one took a little while to get over. It really did. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. We've got some leftover mailbag questions that we didn't get to. But before we jump into these leftover mailbag questions, let me tell you about Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. 
Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Jumping into the mailbag once more for some leftover mailbag questions. Really just three from one person, Sam Mooney, at Sam Mooney Music. Now that we've seen Ole Miss lose to Arkansas, these questions become framed in a little bit of a different way. Number one, how many current seniors do you think will use their extra year of eligibility and return next year? If I'm them, I, I'm I'm using the extra. I mean, if, if Lane Kiffin will allow that and um, the staff will allow that, I'm using it. I don't I don't see anybody out there on that field that thinks, hey, I'm I'm out of here and and you know going to the league. Maybe other than more, but um, you know for the most part, I mean, if if I'm getting a chance to come back and and play another year of SEC football. And, um, you know, better my education in some kind of way. Why not? Because, I mean, the, the NFL is no guarantee, man. I mean, even some of the best players don't don't survive up there. So, yeah, I mean, if you told me I could play an extra year of SEC football and, and be on campus and, and continue my education, I, I would be all for it. This is why I bring up this question. Ryder Anderson is a senior. Sam Williams is a senior. John Haynes is a senior. Do you view any of those guys as slam dunk NFL draft picks? I do not. I do not. So, and, and I, I think those guys could potentially benefit from a full off season, yep. full season, and maybe they could turn into a draft pick, but I, I don't think any of them go high enough to where it's, Oh, I, I need to get out of here. I need to do it this year because um, I mean, they're probably all, all those guys right now are probably undrafted guys at best. And that's the question. It's so unique. T Tisdale, same thing. It's so unique because now if you stay, will it help or will it hurt? Will the NFL evaluate you as, well, if you were good enough, you'd come out last year, you're too old now. If you don't have the year you maybe envisioned having, it could benefit you. But how does that change the perception of Sam Williams for NFL evaluators? You've been around NFL organizations long enough to know. Will it hurt you if you're one of the old guys that stayed? No, absolutely not. I mean, he's still young by NFL standards. He still would be 22, 23, maybe, maybe 22, 23. Um, I, I think that the thing he could say is, Hey, listen, this was a crazy year. We didn't get to have our spring. Um, we, you know, we can't, wasn't the same. We, we, you know, so I, I would like to have another year to kind of have put a full off season together and kind of be prepared coming into the season and be able to put my best foot forward. So I, so I can have a chance to get drafted. So I think that actually he could help himself by, by, by having a full off season and, um, you know, coming out there from the jump, you know, obviously he had that, that suspension that, that hurt him for a little while too. So yeah, I mean, it, th these guys, these guys need to come back and play. That's, that's, that's just the bottom line. See, and that, if you're Lane Kiffin could be huge for you in writing course much more quickly, because offensively this year is about laying the foundation for what your offense is going to be showcasing it to recruits, Matt Corral. This is his first year starting. So coming into next year, this six interception game against Arkansas, that'll be well, well, well in the rearview mirror will be one of the most decorated returning quarterbacks in the country. So having that foundation laid defensively, if you can retain a Sam Williams, a Ryder Anderson, that helps you because you know you're going to go get into the transfer market. You know that you're going to have Otis Reese next year. You know that you're going to have Jacob Springer next year. And where you're most needing help, defensive tackle, dive into the transfer market. You can dive into the JUCO market. Jamon Gordon is a JUCO commitment defensive tackle that would be able to play for Ole Miss right now. You can attack certain positions if you can retain those guys. Lane Kiff is going to have to have a decision to make as far as evaluating his roster. 
is Sam Williams worth keeping compared to what I have coming behind him? And I think unequivocally, the answer would be keep Sam Williams if you can keep him. It's a different level of recruiting because now you're going to have to recruit some of your own roster in order to avoid a need or two or black hole or two that would appear if those guys were to leave. Yes, Ole Miss has Brandon Mack and DeMond Clowney, but if those two guys could really help Ole Miss, why aren't they playing? So Sam Williams, if you can convince him to stay, that's a big deal. Ryder Anderson, that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you tell me next year our two starting defensive ends are going to be Sam Williams, Ryder Anderson, and then we have two good transfer D tackles or two good re- recruit D tackles in there, um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And not not to mention, man, the, the Mac and the Clowney guy you just mentioned, that, that, that gives them another year to keep developing. And by the time Sam Williams and, and Ryder Anderson leave, those guys have been in the program for going on their third year. They should be ready to step in and, and play. A, you know, it, it always benefits – them to get some extra time to keep getting better and keep getting weight on and do all the little things that make you an SEC player. So, yeah, I mean, you tell me those two guys, we're rolling those two guys out there as starting DNs and let them actually play on the edge. I would feel really good about that as long as we can get that interior sheared up. All right, here's another one from Sam Mooney, at Sam Mooney Music on Twitter. If Corral stays another year, and this, again, is framed against what we just saw against Arkansas. If Corral stays another year, do you think JRP is leaving? And if Corral were to declare for the draft, do you think JRP stays to compete for the quarterback job again in 2021? No, I think that um, I, I don't. I would be surprised if um, if John Rice would was going to stay, just because I, I mean, I don't I don't know that he fits this this type of scheme with the, with this much passing. So um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think John Rice stays um, stays regardless. I think it was obvious on Saturday, Matt Corral had as bad a day as you could possibly have, and Lane Kiffin stuck with his dude, which I think is commendable. It'll drive fans crazy. But Lane Kiffin came out of fall practices, came out of three games against Florida, Alabama, and Kentucky, and said, Matt Corral, even at his worst, gives us the best opportunity to drive down the field and score points. You don't pull a guy just to pull a guy. And I'm completely flipped as far as how I used to feel about this, but if you believe in that guy, There's something to be said to sticking behind him. So then if you're John Rice, the writing is on the wall. Matt Corral has been chosen. And even if he did come back, whoever's coming in this class, Luke Altmaier, whoever, that's the next guy. Kincaid Dent, he might be the next guy. The guy's currently on the roster, but it isn't John Rice Plumley. Because if it was going to be John Rice Plumley, if Lane Kiven thought John Rice, fresh, ready to go, gave them a better opportunity to go score points, Saturday was the perfect opportunity to take Matt Corral out, and he didn't, which said Matt Corral, at his worst, I don't care. He gives me the best chance to win. Here's here's an interesting take. Do you think that maybe Lane Kiffin did not take Matt Corral out because if he did, he knew that he would want to put maybe Dent or, you know, Tisda or the the Renfro kid in um, to play rather than John Rice, and he didn't want to create that firestorm? That's kind of what I thought during it. I was like, hey, well, maybe, maybe – Maybe John Rice isn't even the backup. Lane Kiffin is notorious for making headlines. He doesn't take himself seriously. He's a great showman. He understands brand and marketing. He has fun on Twitter. He has fun with national media. He's also keenly aware of what would draw negative attention or headlines. And if he had pulled Matt Corral and not gone to John Rice Plumley, what is every question he's getting asked on Monday? That ran through my head after about the fourth interception, so... That makes a lot of sense, but it also makes a lot of sense. He knows for his offense, because Matt Corral won this pretty early, this quarterback competition, and he knew really early on, this guy gives me the best chance. John Rice just doesn't fit. So I don't even think that the conversation or question about John Rice needs to be posted anymore. We're going to find out pretty quickly at the end of the year why John Rice probably wasn't playing in a game like this. If he was staying, they would be figuring out ways to utilize him in the skill set he does have. They would be finding a way, and they're not. He's thrown one pass this year. He threw one, one pass, and w- whenever uh, Matt Crow went down versus Alabama, he's th- he's not even had a chance to go. And th- no, no Rebel fan has seen him even throw a pass this year. So, who knows? You know, who knows what? Uh, I mean, that they know because he was there in practice with them. But I mean, no Ole Miss fan has even seen the kid throw a pass, or has he got in the game to throw a pass? So, um, that that's what's telling to me. That's even that's even scarier. Last one, way too early 2021 record prediction for the Ole Miss football team. Against the Uh, backdrop of losing to Arkansas, but also thinking about, well, maybe Sam Williams does come back. Every one of these kids get an extra year of eligibility. Maybe 
with Otis Reese and Sam Williams. You convinced Ryder Anderson to stay, T. Tisdale. Like, guys, hey, you're undrafted free agents at best. Maybe you can work your way into a seven-round NFL draft. Eh. Matt Corral returning, because we don't believe Matt Corral, if that's the floor, he's got a long way to go. So if he's coming back, it just makes you consider things differently now, knowing what we know. Yeah, um, I mean, that t- 2021 should look very good, assuming that all all the stars align. Assuming we finish out this year with a, with a good recruiting class and add some pieces that can step in and, and provide some immediate play, and assuming that a lot of our guys, key guys now we have, are coming back to help us out. And then on top of that, like, is this COVID stuff going to die down where we can actually have a full off season to to have a spring football practice, to have full workouts, to have, you know, just a full go at this. Um, I mean, I don't see any reason why. I mean, if, if we were this competitive, you know, at the beginning of this year without hardly any, any kind of spring or anything, you know, next year could, you know, you could only assume that we're going to be much more prepared than we were this, this go around. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think 2021 should be a, a solid year for almost assuming we get a full schedule too, and have some teams in there that we know we're going to be wins on top of some sec wins. I don't see why we wouldn't be a, a solid bowl team in 2021. You're listening to talk of champions on this overreaction Monday. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. That's it for the mailbag, the leftover mailbag questions. Thanks to Sam Mooney for getting those in for us. I got a specific question for you moving forward now that we've seen Ole Miss against Arkansas. But first, let me tell the people about BNA Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Stay safe, enjoy some football, and make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. What does this mean for Ole Miss moving forward? I mean, if Arkansas can do that to Ole Miss and that Ole Miss offense, basically Ole Miss can win every game or lose every game? I mean, I think I think we got a... Um... Yeah, I think we got the the air popped out of our balloon. I really do. I think everybody was was pretty high up, and you know we got we got humbled. Me, yeah, I think I think all around from from fans' excitement all the way down to the players. So, um, yeah, who knows what the expectation is now? I mean, like I I don't know how to feel. I don't know what what to expect. And and sometimes that can be a good thing going in. Um, you know, say, say Ole Miss just had a bad day and they come out versus Auburn and and rip Auburn's head off. I mean, you know, you just you just don't know. I mean, so, um, you know, we're going to find out what, what a lot of these guys are made of. Um, are we going to let this carry over and beat us again next week? And then it, then it create like this negative momentum going downhill. I, I don't think so. I think these coaches are going to, um, you know, accept this, go, go watch the film, see what they did shitty, see what they did good and have these guys ready to go next week. There's no reason they shouldn't be hungry coming out next week at home versus, um, versus Auburn. So, Let's see. This Auburn game is going to tell me so much about about Kiffin. It's going to tell me so much about Matt Corral. Right. It's going to tell me, it's going to tell me a lot about 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 a lot of things. That's where I'm at. The coaches are going to earn their paychecks this week. And Matt Corral, we're going to learn a lot about him, his personality, his character as a quarterback this week. Because Ole Miss is one extra point miss at Kentucky from being 0-4. Did anybody think that Ole Miss was ever going to stop Kentucky? Now, maybe Ole Miss – is never stopped by Kentucky. 
but Ole Miss was never stopping Kentucky. Ben, you think about this. So Kentucky goes after we beat them, they go seven quarters and only give up nine points. Nuts. That's why that's why I am I was so shocked Saturday at the Ole Miss Arkansas. I mean, dude, dude, like you no one saw that crappy of play coming. I mean, that's that's why I'm mind blown. I just don't know anymore. Cause now I want to say, okay, you're one extra point miss away from being 0 and 4. Maybe everybody was just a little too amped up and didn't realize that Ole Miss had little, if any, safety net if things went poorly offensively. But the defense played well enough to win. They really did. If you take away the pick six, my God, they gave up 26 points. That is a win. If you'd have told me going in that Ole Miss defensively was only going to give up 26 points, I'd have told you Ole Miss won by 30. Maybe not 30 because that's 56. You know what I mean. They won by double digits. Auburn is not a good football team. Vanderbilt's not a good football team, but you got to go to Vanderbilt. And just like when you got to go to Arkansas, Ole Miss at Vanderbilt's always a weird thing. South Carolina's a good football team at Texas A&M. Texas A&M isn't very good, but neither was Arkansas. And you got to go there. Mississippi State at home, then at LSU. There is not, in my opinion, one guaranteed win on the schedule. I am back to where I was originally coming into the year. Where are the guaranteed wins? See, after that one and two start, we went, okay, Arkansas, oh yeah, they can hang with Auburn. They're going to beat the shit out of Vanderbilt. Oh, they'll hang with South Carolina. It'll be a little tough, but probably. At Texas A&M, oh, that'll be a tough one, but they can win that one. Mississippi State, they'll win. At LSU, oh, LSU's terrible. It's Alabama and everybody else. And Ole Miss is just as flawed as everybody else. Even when the offense is humming as well as it was humming for the first three weeks, Ole Miss is just as flawed, if not more so than some teams, in the SEC. Meaning that Saturdays like the one that happened against Arkansas can just as easily happen as Ole Miss in a track meet with Alabama. Where is the middle ground? We haven't seen the middle ground yet. We've seen the defense be historically awful on pace to be the worst defense statistically in the history of college football. And they turned around and looked like a competent defense against Arkansas. They were getting pressure. They were causing turnovers. They were rallying to the ball. They were making tackles in open space. It was nuts. But then offensively, the bottom just fell out. So what's the middle ground? When things are going poorly, when you're locked in a tight one against Auburn and you, Matt Corral, Throwing two interceptions, three. Can you rally? Can you not allow it to snowball? So we haven't seen the middle ground. Is Ole Miss going to be a team of two extremes? Or can they make their floor high enough to where, yes, Vanderbilt, even at their worst, they're going to win that game. Mississippi State, even at their worst, they're going to win that game. Yeah, we're going to be in... In all these games. I mean, we really yeah, are. in every one of them. Yeah, even after Saturday, Ole Miss was in the game with six interceptions, seven total turnovers. Yeah, see, that, that, that's my thing. Assuming we don't come out and throw seven interceptions or have seven turnovers each week, assuming we punt on six of those seven instead of them being turnovers, um, you know, I, <laughs> unless, unless we're going to have seven turnovers, I think we're still going to be in every game. I think we have a chance to win a lot of these games down the stretch, I really do. But if this is going to be a common theme where we come out and play like this, of course we're going to get our ass beat you know, multiple times. But assuming we clean this up, I still think that, you know, I still think there's some, there's some serious, there's a serious chance we, we, win, we win a lot of games down the stretch. I really do. Is the deal with Matt Corral more Kiffin and Levy calling plays for the middle of the field to go to Elijah, or was it, Matt was forcing things because Kiffin said he was staring at his receivers and you could tell that. But as far as the middle of the field where he, I think threw three interceptions, was that him forcing it or were they calling plays that I thought it was him locking on to his primary receiver? Yeah, I think it was a combination. It just wasn't, it wasn't a good game plan versus um, drop eight, which drop eight is, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's, there's, you have to throw your way into, into windows and throw your way out of that. And it's, I mean, I, I think it was a group effort. I think it wasn't very well schemed, and I think that Matt Corral, being the guy he is, was trying to force things and staring things down. And, um, I mean, damn, some of these weren't even close, man. I, I get it if there's some tip interceptions and there's some, you know, just some bad throws that, that led to interception. But some of these were – I the mean, The defenders were, were just waiting on them. Dude, they were – I mean, it was 
it was like he didn't even see him, which is scary. So, um, yeah, this was this was just an all around chalk it up as just a bad day from from coaches and players. And um, let's let, let's just see. Let's let these guys get it fixed, man. We'll judge them if this becomes a common theme. Then, you know, there's going to be some <laughs> there should be some tough conversations. But um, let's let's let them get it fixed. Let, let, let's give them a chance that they had a little. Um, you know, everything was going so good. It was it was scary good the first three weeks. Surely, um, you know, sure, surely it was, that was, you know, just, just a, just a rough, rough, rough week, rough day. You've been through some really disappointing losses before. How do you bounce back in the practice week? What's it like? Man, everybody has to show up. Listen, this, this, there's no other way to do this. You show up, you sit in the room and everybody's honest with each other. And, and if you're a coach and if you're going to sit there and, and, and just bash the players and blame it all on them, shame on you because you're asked when you made a bad call, you need to let the team know, hey, this was on me. This is a bad call. If you're a player and you made a shitty play or you made a bad read, you need to tell the team that was on me because it, it, the transparency in situations like that will help you become closer as a team. And I know Kiffin gets this. I know they all get that over there, but 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 I've seen it done both ways. I've seen coaches say it's all the player's fault, and I've seen you know pe- the, the teams that have success are the ones that everybody stands up and takes responsibility and says, you know what, guys, this one was on me. And, and you can't be sensitive in these situations. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to admit it. And then you, 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 once you go over that film, you learn from it, you freaking forget it. And you have your ass on the practice field with a, with a mindset of, I'm going to get better this week. I'm not going to let it happen again. So the only way you can do it, it has to be full transparency. That's coaches and players, period. What practice week do you best remember after a terrible loss where y'all responded really well and went on to win a game? Um, I would say uh, it was probably 2000, 2008. I've had a lot of them, but I say 2018, the year we were really good in Chicago, we went up to New York and it was, this is a bad giants team. This was, you know, Eli's getting close to the end. I don't think I, they may have only won a couple games where we were rolling. We are a very good team. We end up losing a game in overtime to the New York giants. And, you know, that's, that was pretty embarrassing at the time as good as we were. We come back the next week. We play the St. Louis Rams, or not St. Louis Rams. It was, it was Los Angeles Rams and Los Angeles Rams, and they were eleven and one, best offensive football. And we come back and we take it to them, and it and it it helped us that week. We played bad. We made a bunch of mistakes, bunch of turnovers, and it really helped us by by doing what I said. Everybody just you know, took responsibility. Hey, this is on me. I didn't play up to my standard. I'm gonna come back this week. And 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 when you're full transparent like that, and everybody's taking responsibility, you're not playing the blame game. It limits people getting their head down. It's it's more of a hey, we're, we're going to all take ownership of this together. So, um, that that's the one I remember the most. I've had plenty of them, but um, yeah, that that one that one I really stuck out to me because we came back and beat the best team in football. So, what was Sunday like for Ole Miss in film study? Because that's pretty much what you do on Sunday, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, ass- assuming that it goes like I said, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna sit in there and it's gonna be, you know, you, you can't you can't. You can't be sensitive. You can't take it personal and leave the meeting room with your, um, you know, how, you know, they're blaming me for everything. Just Debbie down and dude, you have to go in there, take responsibility. And, and I mean, I think there's probably some hard conversations, you know, but both coaches and players. So um, let, let, let's hope they, they did it the correct way and, and not point fingers and, and create divide. And let's hope they did it as a team and, and, and all agreed to, to, to throw it in the garbage after they watched it. And let's, um, you know, let's have a great week together and let's let's go out there and work our tails off. Lane Kiffin and Matt Crowd both seem like dudes that walked in on Sunday. They looked around at their teammates, or if you're Matt Crowd, you look around at your teammates. If you're Lane Kiffin, you look around at your players and say, guys, we sucked, and here's how I sucked. And Matt says, well, here's how I sucked, and tell me how you sucked. Now let's go fix it. Because Lane just seems like that kind of guy. I mean, he's not a bullshitting kind of dude. He's not Hugh Freeze. He's not Houston Nutt. Hey, by the way... He had a perfect call made. Matt Crowell had pressure in his face. Kenny Yaboa flared out into the flat. He was wide open, but because of the pressure, yeah, Matt Crowell threw wide of him. That's a touchdown. The pick yeah, that's six a, that, was the backbreaker, man. That was that was just awesome. Yeah, that's another thing. Yaboa, where was he? I mean, did he even he didn't catch the ball all game? Oh my God, yeah. Um, where where was Kenny Yaboa? I mean, I I just yeah this this week was. I mean, that's that's a strange. You're talking about a dude who was averaging 120 yards a game coming into this game. Um, and he had maybe one ball thrown to him, and it was that one in the flat. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it. another one. Some of the, yeah, that's uh, where, where's he at? I'm looking where, at I mean, the targets. Elijah Moore yeah. had 13 targets, 11 catches. Jonathan Mingo had six targets, two catches. He had a bad game. He didn't even try on that interception. It was on fourth down. It's at the end of the game. The game's over. The pick six had ended it. But it's fourth down. 
And Macron's got to do something. You can't just stand there and take a sack. At least give somebody a chance. And he throws it down there at Jonathan Mingo because he's like, okay, well, he's covered, but he's one-on-one. Jonathan didn't even fight for it, man. Didn't even fight. Okay. Um, and then, Kenny Yaboa, one target. I think Arkansas pretty much just said, if y'all think y'all are going to sit back and just throw on us like you threw on the first three teams, you're sorely mistaken. We're going to make you grind out yards and drives. No quick drives for you. You want to go score 12 plays, five minutes of possession time. That's the game we're going to make you play. And Ole Miss wouldn't play that game. I agree. I agree. And that, the, yeah, that, that's what they did. I mean, they were, they, they were drop eight quarters all game. I mean, they had, they had, they bracketed everybody. I mean, it was, you're right. They were going to keep everything in front of them. So they took out, they took away the deep shot and they, you know, they were going to make Ole Miss earn it. And Ole Miss was not very patient to start out the game and it, it showed and we got down quick and then, then, then you're forced to throw it and then they got you wherever they want you. That's it. He's Bradley Sell. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed to review talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, Leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. All right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com to food of 247 Sports. All right, well, maybe they bounce back. I don't know. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it. Hotty toddy. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.